Welcome to Scale School, my friends. I'm Dan Bolton, and my purpose here is simple. I wanna help you increase the scalability of your coaching or consulting business so as it gets bigger, life gets better. Here we will be talking everything from getting clients, keeping clients, teams, leadership, but most importantly, making scaling simple and fun again. Thanks so much for tuning in and I hope you get a ton out of today's episode. Today's session, I wanna uh, be really upfront. I'm trying to venture where most business coaches aren't willing to go or, or don't even know they need to go towards. Uh, but this is the real stuff. You know, like the third session, we're gonna get into leadership, we're gonna get to marketing and branding and all that kind of stuff, but it's built on this foundation. And so uh, in today's session, we're gonna be talking about self-mastery. And if there is anything that has led me towards having the business that I have today, uh, that's high profit, high fun, low stress, low complexity, it is actually dealing with this stuff. And um, I want to share a couple of things as we kind of get into today's session. So yesterday I talked about this idea that oftentimes the business problems we think we're facing are actually personal problems that are showing up in our business. That, that's a really key thing to think about, that as you're in your business, uh, oftentimes the dragon you're trying to slay is not just a funnel. It's personal stuff that's showing up in the form of a business. But here's the other key thing. If we don't figure out how to... Uh, live in this space of self-mastery. We're dealing with our emotions. We're increasing our beliefs. We're developing new skills. What happens is we then use our business as a proxy to deal with our personal problems, right? So we we no longer, uh, if we are stuck in a state of stress, we no longer create out of vision. We create out of scarcity. We create out of fear. And so rather than going, is this the most strategic? Is this the most important thing that I could do for my business? We're actually adding things in to deal with the feelings that we have, right? We, we understand this in life, right? We, we The foods that we eat that we shouldn't eat, the things that we do that we shouldn't do, we're trying to solve an emotional need. If you extend that to a business, we might hire the right person. Uh, sorry, wrong person. Might be the right person in the wrong season. We might launch a new offer. We might be just be bringing a certain energy to our marketing, our sales that is going to hinder our success, that is going to hold us back simply because we're bringing uh, unresolved personal issues into our business. And so today I'm going to leave ample time for Q&A because this is definitely a deeper topic. And uh, But I, I, want to, I want to ask for one thing as we go in. Firstly, I know many of you are in Europe. Uh, I can see the people who don't have their cameras on are in Europe. And so if it's too late for you, um, and you're in bed or whatever it is, don't worry about turning your cameras on. But if you guys can turn your cameras on, that'd be great because I'd love to see your beautiful faces. Today, we're talking about self-mastery and uh, and I uh, have one request. If you are ready for today's session, I want you to type in the chat, all in, right? Because this is a, this is a all in topic. This is not something that we can um, kind of go half in, half out. Like I, I, I would love to have uh, your guys' trust as we go into this topic today. So that being said, let me bring up the screen. Let's start recap a bit of yesterday. Yesterday, we talked about uh, this core concept called the shell identity and the core identity. The, the gap between where we are and where we want to be, the person that we feel we need to pretend to be. And we all have those things. And oftentimes, and again, I've, I've given you the fair warning. This is the deeper session where we're going to go in uncharted territory. Oftentimes, we have unresolved childhood trauma, wounds, stresses, memories, stories that we actually bring into our adulthood. And so the shell identity is not something that we just stumbled into by looking at an ad, by uh, looking at a mentor, by borrowing someone else's business bottle and mindlessly taking it, unintentionally taking it. Oftentimes it's a protective mechanism. We become the person we think we need to be uh, in order to, to be loved, to be liked, to be respected, to have the success or other person's definitions of success. And so what we have to do is we have to understand that there is a gap between the shell and the core and today we're talking about the gap, closing that gap through healthy emotions, empowering beliefs and high value skills, right? This is all really practical stuff. This is not philosophical. You can you can think about this once a quarter. This is like the everyday in the trenches leadership stuff that you and I are required to face if we want to actually become the seven figure value creators that we feel, uh, you know, probably in a, in a, in a, true sense, feel the sense of destiny around, feel the sense of calling around, feel this this need to uh, make an impact while also having incredible freedom while making great money. It actually starts with this stuff. It starts with us tackling these things. It's not us just doing yesterday's session and saying, I want to be clear on, on who I'm becoming and what I'm building. We actually have to deal with the stuff that's holding us back from those things. And so today we're going to talk about emotions, beliefs, and skills. And I want you to be all in as we go through this, because it's going to require participation on your side to actually figure out what those blockages and obstacles 
uh, that is slowing you down, holding you back or getting in the way of you becoming this real version of you, right? This, this true value creator, this person who's living out of the archetype, who's creating out of the archetype. And so um, let's dive into it. So we're going to talk about emotions, okay? So here is what I know to be true about emotions for most people is that emotions like flow in waves, right? So we think about it like this. What happens is in your business and in mine, there are high moments and low moments, right? Client signs, fantastic, high moment. Client requests a refund, <laughs> low moment, right? The person that we thought was going to come on uh, and be a heck yes because they gave us a verbal yes on the call and then all of a sudden they're backing out like low moment, right? And so what we have to do is figure out how do we ride these waves? And there are actually two really big things here, okay? The first is understanding that the enemy of our business is not stress, but it is chronic sustained stress. I want to say that again. The enemy of our business, of our creativity, of our leadership is not stress. Business is inherently stressful, for sure. There are stressful moments even in my business. The enemy, though, is not learning to leave those states by regulating, right? By actually regulating our nervous system, by dealing with the emotions that come up in business. We have to figure out a way to leave behind us the chronic sustained stress that keeps so many of us crippled, that keeps so many of us held back and slowed down and is ultimately stopping us from becoming this person. And so when you think about your emotions for a second, I, I, this is, I actually want you to think about this. What do you do in these lower moments, right? In these moments where you hit below the line, what are some of your patterns of thinking? What are some of your patterns of feeling? There are, there are obvious things, right? Where we, we turn to vices, right? That might be something that, that you are um, intimately aware of, that you go, when the water's low, the rocks show, and this is what comes up for me. For others of us, there might be uh, subconscious patterns where we go, man, I self-sabotage. I want you to think about this for a second in a really practical way. So like, let's remove the the actual, the things themselves. And let's talk about these, these waves for a second and think about your business. If you are riding these waves and you're not figuring out how to really bring continuity between how you feel. How likely do you think this sales call is going to go here? Like how well do you think it's going to go versus down here, right? If, if you are riding these emotional waves and you're showing up to sales calls, you're leading your clients, you're creating marketing. What happens is we are now subject, the results are subject to how we feel. When you launch an offer from a place of being above the line, right? Versus below the line, right? That's a very different play. And so you can think about in terms of contrasts, right? We can think about in terms of fear and love, right? We can talk about in terms of insecurity or confidence, scarcity or abundance. But the thing that we're trying to really understand is that our emotions and our pattern of thinking and our patterns of feeling influence the way that we act. And unless we understand how this works in our business, we will forever just be surprised and, and caught um, by surprise, when it comes to the things that we do, we do things that don't make sense. And so what we're really trying to do is create the sense of uh, stability. So in an ideal world, what, what it looks like is it's like much smaller, right? That we actually create a sense of continuity and stability and consistency in our emotions where there are natural highs and lows, right? I'm not here to tell you that the moment a client asks for a refund, you go, hooray, this is amazing. Dan told me this was going to happen and I'm just going to be positive about it, right? That's not what I'm saying, right? Those moments suck, but it's our ability to bounce back and, and respond to those moments, not react to those moments that actually create the level of leadership needed to um, really rise above these things. So let me share a couple of um, stories here. The biggest thing and the most interesting thing for me this year has been my ability to remove sales calls because people are connecting with my marketing at a much higher level. So I close $18,000 deals without calls all the time. If you had told me that was even remotely possible 18 months ago, I would have said BS, no way, not possible. You need a sales call for anything more than a couple of grand, let's say. But what's happened is uh, I get messages from people who watch my YouTube. And one of the most common messages I get is one that's really uh, intangible in a way. They say, I don't know, man, there's something about your content. There's something about you where it feels like your energy is different, right? I just really vibe with you, right? There's something about who you are that I just really seem to connect with. And, and this is where, where I want you to understand the practicality of what I'm talking about here. It actually leads to bottom line, top line, 
right? It, it really affects the, the leads that we get, the clients that we sign, the clients that we keep, the cash that we collect. All of this is really practical. And um, I want to share uh, a personal story that, that um, I think really characterizes this. And your life uh, may not be my life. You might not be able to relate to this story, but you probably have stories like this that is still uh, shaping who you are and how you live today. So growing up, uh, my dad left when I was three weeks old and um, my my childhood was characterized by by lack of a better, better term, trauma, hardship, you know, all of that kind of stuff. When I was like nine or 10, I got introduced to weed uh, because I'm I'm like smack dab in the middle of kids. And so uh, in my family, it's there's, there's a lot going on. Um, so there are uh, four kids to three different dads. I am right in the middle by 15 years. So Dad number one, two kids, 15 years older than me. Dad number two, I'm there, born in 1990. Dad number three, 15 years later, right? With with a, another child. So I had older siblings. And even to this day, my brother is the leader of the biggest gang in my city, in my hometown. And so as a 10-year-old and 11-year-old, my siblings were in and out of jail and they were drug dealers. And uh, when I was 10, I got introduced to weed. Uh, I remember spending, uh, is there, anyone remember the Y2K bug? I know that's like aging me right now, 100%. Ben, I'm sorry, you don't remember it. <laughs> you didn't live through the trauma that we lived through, brother. The Y2K bug was like freaking, everything's gonna melt, the computer system's gonna crash. And in the year 2000, we didn't know if we were gonna see live to see another day. And I remember that New Year's Eve, standing over a toilet bowl, vomiting up bourbon and cola, right? I'm 10 years old, it's Y2K. But that's how I was spending my New Year's. That was what that time of my life was characterized by. When I was 11, uh, I had one of those moments that we've all had. And again, yours might not be as extreme as this, but we all have moments from our childhood that shape us into the people we've become for better or for worse. When I was 11, I went and stayed with a family member who was going through a really, really rough separation. I didn't know this and my mom didn't know this. And this was way above uh, our pay grade in terms of understanding all the dynamics. And through a period of three days, uh, just before my 12th birthday, I was taken hostage. And it was a horrific situation. As an 11-year-old, being told that if I escaped the house, that this person would set the house on fire and and, and everyone in it. And I just remember the the fear I had around that time in my life. And, and this was actually what uh, connected me with the sense of faith. I'm in the middle of this moment. Um, I grew up in a very irreligious uh, family. And um, this one particular moment, it's funny how, I don't know if you have memories that kind of sear into your brain, right? Where it's like, you don't know why you remember the smell of the room and the way that the chair felt on your back and all of those things. But that, I remember sitting there and I don't know if, does anyone remember the show Fear Factor with Joe Rogan? So I'm sitting there on a Sunday night and I'll never forget sitting there and I'm like terrified. Like I'm in this horrific situation, but I'm sitting there watch, watching Joe Rogan get people into a, a big pool of squids as like the fear, the whole idea of Fear Factor was like, you're doing all of these things that are like terrifying. And I'm sitting there and uh, long story short, um, you know, I get sent to my room. I have what I probably have forever described as this Disney prayer moment. I sit on the edge of the bed and I put my hands together and I said, God, if you're real, you need to get this guy to leave the house. And this this has been happening for three days. There was no sign it was going to stop. I didn't know what the end game looked like for this guy and what the situation was going to end up with. But I had this Disney prayer moment. I said, God, if you're real, you need to get this guy out of the house. And within five minutes, he was gone. And the the calm after the storm you know, entered. And the next day it was my 12th birthday. And my mom came and picked me up. We didn't talk about it. We we she picked me up. She drove me two and a half hours back to our hometown. And the next day I was in school again. And that was that. You can imagine as an 11 year old trying to get your head around all of this stuff and trying to reconcile what the heck just happened. What does this mean? I remember feeling so powerless. I remember that was a feeling that characterized a lot of my life that that I never wanted to feel powerless ever again. I remember feeling like I I wish I could have taken this guy, you know, like freaking 11 year old, a testosterone's just kicking in. I was like, maybe I can take this guy who's freaking twice my size. And I'm, I'm taken back to my hometown. We never talk about it. And so the story of my life at that point was that people don't care about, that I'm on my own in this world, right? What I didn't realize until three years ago, was that it wasn't so much a story of my mom didn't care. It was that my mom didn't know. She literally had no idea that any of this had taken place. So I went through the next almost 18 years of my life with this story 
going on in my world. So we talked about a couple of years ago, I realized she didn't know. I'm like, okay, that's pretty crazy anyway. And I try and move on with my life. And I'm 33 now. And so around this time, I remember uh, so vividly, uh, I, I was 30, I was listening to a podcast, I was driving in my car. And, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of hilarious to think back because I'm, I'm 30, I'm in New Zealand. I, I would say this is probably the only real period of like, I felt a strong sense of depression. I wasn't depressed, but I definitely had those feelings. And, and you know, we were all in different times and different places for COVID. For us, we were in a unique position in New Zealand where we were fully locked in, right? We could we could leave. We couldn't get back into the country. It was it was a whole rigmarole. And so I was sitting in my Tesla that I'd bought uh, out of just trying to deal with emotions. <laughs> like I remember sitting down, it was between a Tesla and a Lamborghini. That was kind of the phase that I was going through. So I was like, man, I hate living in New Zealand so much. I'm, I'm looking for like feelings of joy. And so I wonder if I just buy a nice car, then, then I'm going to get that. And so I'm driving this Tesla. I'm listening to this podcast and they're talking about trauma. I'll never forget the moment because it was so funny. I'm listening to this person talk about trauma and in my head I go, man, I'm so thankful I don't have any trauma. I'm so thankful I don't have anything I have to deal with from my childhood. And I legitimately felt that. And then it was almost like that moment happened. And in the next few years, like everything just starts to get clearer and clearer. And so then fast forward to uh, the end of last year, my family and I have been living in Bali. We've been traveling the world and uh, we were supposed to be heading back just after Christmas to New Zealand. And at this point a year ago, um, I would have characterized myself as quite emotionally healthy. Like I felt like I had a lot of this stuff figured out. So we're hitting, we're, we're getting ready to head towards New Zealand. And I start having these panic attacks, being around my family again. I don't want to face my my dad, my mom, my, my siblings. I, I don't want to go back. Leaving New Zealand was like the most freeing feeling of my life. I was like, I'm free from the chaos of my family. Like, this is beautiful. And so we're prepping to go back. And I like physically can't get my head around actually going back. And so my family and I are flying from Bali to New Zealand via Australia. We have to leave Bali due to our visa and we've got this trip planned to New Zealand. We're in Australia and it becomes really clear. I can't go back to New Zealand. Like I'm not in an emotional space to be able to do it, to be able to tackle it and kind of live live my wife who's amazing. Uh, said it so well. She said, you know, maybe this just isn't the right thing for your healing journey right now. Um, so why don't you not come? We go back. This is really hard, but maybe this is just the best thing, big picture. So they fly to New Zealand. I jump on a plane to Singapore. And I hope you guys are following me with this because this is this is going somewhere. Okay. So they're in New Zealand. I'm in Singapore, but I'm going, okay, this is the right thing. This is this is what I'm doing. Uh, I don't know when I'm going to solve this stuff or face this stuff, but I clearly need to. But I don't know what my game plan is. And so for the, the next few days, I'm doing like an eat, pray, love journey in Singapore. Like I'm wandering around. I'm like, you know, closing my eyes and meditating and praying and reading the Bible and things like that. And I'm trying to like search for like, you know, like how do I, like, I feel so embarrassed. I'm like 32. I can't even face my family. I had a panic attack leading up to going home. Like what's going on? And in the midst of this, you guys can, um, you guys can uh, maybe think about where my business was as well. That whole year leading up to that. And the two years previous, it was like chaos. I was like trying to deal with the stress and the sense of burnout. And in Singapore, I have this moment of clarity where I realize I'm not ready to solve all the world's issues and deal with all my family's pain and all the struggles and all of that. But I might be ready to have, you know, one conversation. Like I'm ready to go back and at least start the conversation and start this process. So I, I hop on a plane. Uh, I'll never forget. We're like in the in New, in the in New Zealand plane. We're flying, we're flying in the air 30,000 feet above Singapore. And then they're celebrating New Year's. They're like, happy New Year. And I'm like on a plane, I'm like, this is so weird. I land in New Zealand and I just start lining up all of these conversations with family members. I'm like, okay, I'm talking to my dad on this day. I'm talking to my mom on this day. I'm talking to my siblings on this day. And my game plan was really simple. I had to deal with the stuff that was holding me back. I had to let go. I had to forgive. I had to have the hard conversations to say the things that I'd never been courageous enough to say. And so I start lining up these conversations and one by one, it was like letting go of anchors in my life. I remember sitting down with my dad and we had uh, a two hour conversation. And, um, you know, as I mentioned, my dad wasn't around in, in my life growing up. And that was such a, a hard thing because it was almost like I, I had a couple of friends who had lost parents of theirs. And I, I wish at that point I had lost my parent as well, because at least then I could create a story that they wanted to be with me, but they couldn't be with me. But instead, I had a dad on earth that didn't want to be with me. And so I had all these conversations. And I'll never forget when he left. It was like, I don't know if you've ever had these moments. I felt lighter. It was like everything felt clearer. I remember him leaving and me as a 32-year-old man sitting in the stairwell of this Airbnb in Mount Monganui, New Zealand, 
just bawling my eyes out as I felt like I healed seven-year-old Dan and 12-year-old Dan and 15-year-old Dan. I have these conversations this whole week. It's like the, hands down, the most emotionally draining week of my life. You guys can imagine I'm like knocking out trauma conversations. I'm like, great, this is going to be so awesome. Um, but I leave New Zealand just feeling like a new person. I'm like, wow, I, I did some work in this time. This year, not by coincidence, has been the best year in business. And it's because what was happening the last few years is I was dealing with stress and burnout and anxiety as if it was an external problem, right? Do you guys get what I'm saying? I was, I thought the solution was work less hours. So I went from 2021, Dan, freaking peeing in, in bottles on Zoom meetings, right? Back to back, stressful, overwhelmed, to then reducing my hours to like legitimately eight to 10 hours a week and still making a million dollars in profit. And so I thought all stress should be evaporated at that point, but it wasn't because the stress was not out here. The stress was in here. It was unresolved emotions. And when I started to have these conversations, it wasn't like everything in my life became easy. All of a sudden I went from feeling heavy to feeling light, but everything did get easier because I was willing to face the things that were holding me back and undermining me. These personal problems were actually showing up on business and I was trying to use the business to solve these personal problems. And once I started to attack them head on and deal with the, for lack of a better term, the demons of the past, the stories that I'd, I'd grown up telling myself, everything got better. I got lighter. I became a better leader. I became a better husband. I became a better dad. And all of these things come down to this one point that I really want to make and emphasize today, which is that you have things that are holding you back from being everything you're called to be. You might not have the story of the 11-year-old sitting in front of Fear Factor, you know, freaking out for his life. That's a pretty insane story. Your story might even be worse. The point I'm trying to make is the things that we've gone through in our life mark us, shape us for better or for worse. And for many of us, we're carrying around stories, we're carrying around baggage, we're carrying around pain, we're carrying around trauma that is unresolved. And unless we choose to resolve it and choose to face it, we'll forever be hindered by it and held back by it. We'll be in our business and we'll look at the patterns that we have and we don't understand why those patterns exist. We're wondering why we're not gaining traction in the way that we want to gain traction, but it's because the problems aren't to be solved outside in. They're meant to be solved inside out. So the question I have for you is this, what actions do you feel you need to take to improve your emotional health? This is, this is a big question I want, I want to ask yourself. I want you to ask yourself right now. And this is big picture stuff because we're going to talk about the smaller stuff here in a moment, the day-to-day -day stuff. But for some of you right now, you might need to have the important conversations with family members, with friends. Maybe it's not even so much a forgiveness that you need to give someone else. Maybe there are things that you've done in your past and shame and guilt that you're carrying around that you need to forgive yourself for. The question I want to ask you is what actions do you need to take to improve your emotional health? And the more you sit with that conversation, it might not all come up like a flashing light where you get really clear on the game plan. Boom, 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 boom. This is what I'm doing. But what I want you to sit with this conversation, why the reason I want to sit, uh, sit with this question is because it might give you a next step and then a next step and then a next step. You know, we say a lot in our community, action precedes clarity. And so sometimes it's not as easy as just sitting down and like opening a notebook and like everything spills out. Sometimes you have to start taking the action and it's through taking the action that you become clearer about the path before you. So that's the big picture, okay? Let's go day to day for a second. So bad things happen in our business. Things don't go to plan. We set the big goals. It doesn't happen. The client says they're going to sign. They don't. The client signs on. They don't stay. The marketing campaign that we thought was going to crush didn't crush. We're putting in lots of hours. We're creating a lot of stress in our lives. And the, the, I, the challenge is how do we deal with that? So I want you to write down this one, this one phrase. You need to learn to regulate your nervous system. You need to learn to regulate your nervous system. This is like 101 stuff. We should have got this in the manual of how to become a human, how to be a human when we, when we were born. But all, we all have to figure out how we regulate. And so if I have two children, I have a seven-year-old and a three-year-old. They have like half a brain, right? When it comes to regulation, right? <laughs> like when something bad happens to them, like you don't see a well-informed response of how to deal with that. Like we've been um, going on this journey with our son who's on the autistic spectrum. And he's like 99% uh, socially fantastic, but there is areas of his life that he hyper fixates on things. And so the last few weeks I made a mistake. I made a big mistake as a parent. I said to him, hey dude, 
um, we're going to give you unlimited Lego budget. We're going to give you as, as much Lego as you can build, we'll buy for you. But the rule is you have to build it. And the second thing is, um, if we run out of space, you've got to give it away. So once you build it, we got to find other homes for it. Is that cool? And he's like, totally cool. And then his hyperfixation brain then is just obsessing over new Lego all the time. It was like, it was the unintended consequence of rather than him being stoked with like, he bought the Lego. The moment he buys the Lego, he's already thinking about the next piece of Lego. He's on mom's phone, Googling Star Wars Lego, right? And his inability to regulate causes so much stress in his own life and there's so much stress in our home that you realize that this is one of the fundamental human skills that most of us actually never learn. When we grow up, it's not that we get better at regulating, it's that we get better at masking the things that we choose to regulate with, right? We regulate with food, we regulate with porn, we regulate with drinking, we regulate with spending, we regulate with gambling, we regulate with shopping. There are all of these patterns in us that if we do not understand how we ride this wave of emotions, we'll actually create vices for ourselves, we'll actually create bad patterns of actions based on these patterns of feeling. So I want you to think about this for a second from a nervous system regulation standpoint. I was reading recently that there are two species on the planet that actually store trauma in their body, right? There was this book called The Body Keeps the Score. Fantastic book. If you want to go deeper on this, I highly recommend checking out that book. And uh, if you see a gazelle get chased by a lion, right? And there are, there are videos of this, right? You can search on YouTube. The gazelle barely escapes. It's, you know, for its life right? It's being chased by a lion. Its life is flashing before its eyes. This little gazelle, get a gazelle life of flock, frolicking around the fields and, and eating grass, right? And its life is flashing before its eyes and it barely escapes the clutches of the lion. What will happen is that that gazelle will go into a field and it will start to hyperventilate like on purpose. And then you'll start to see it shake really un uncontrollably until all of a sudden you'll see it prance up and then it's just back at it. What that what the gazelle has done is actually process the trauma of that moment, process the stress of that moment. But there are two species that actually store trauma more than anything else. The first is domestic dogs. The second are human beings. And so if something bad happens to you, right? Big, small, and we carry that around and we don't figure out how to deal with it, it doesn't disappear. The high school crush that left us, the rude remarks from the classmate when we're 13 saying we're stupid, the teacher saying we're never going to be good enough, right? The bullying, whatever it is, those things actually stay with us if we do not learn to deal with them. And so when you think about that from the big picture, we all have life events that we have to figure out how to process and how to work through. But then we have daily events, right? Business, like this work of working with people, bro, it can be hard, right? Because it's relationships, right? You can bring your best and someone shows up not as their best and all of a sudden you have a really messy situation and that can be really hard. And so I just want to throw out a number of tools that have been incredibly helpful for me to process this stuff, okay? The, the first is, uh, you know, this is hopefully 101, but the first is exercise. This is this is so key, right? If you are not moving your body in the way that you should, and, and when I say moving, I don't just mean going to the gym and like hitting it hard. I mean like actively moving, actively walking. Like some of you could deal with so much more stress if you traded your desk for a standing desk and added a treadmill. Like if you literally just put a little treadmill on your desk, that would help in processing the stuff and processing the stress and regulating your nervous system, right? Hydration, nutrition, sleep. I don't know about you, uh, I am not one of these human beings that could go and live off months at a time off six hours of sleep a night. I mean, goodness me, I wish I could. I feel like my soul needs zero sleep, but my body needs sleep. And so I'm unfortunately one of those people that are like eight, eight to nine hours. That's my sweet spot. Now, as a parent, I really get that. But my point being, we need to prioritize these things to learn to regulate our nervous system. If you do not regulate, you will not be your best self in your business. And so you will be struggling to close sales, struggling to market consistently, struggling struggling to scale because you're in a state of stress. Stress is also the enemy of creativity, right? A cluttered mind, a cluttered calendar is the enemy of you stepping into the creative act of doing what we do as value creator. And so you're sitting there banging your head against the keyboard, trying to write sales copy from a state of stress and then wondering why that sales copy doesn't perform as well as it should. And it's not just because you might not be creative in that moment. It's because the energy associated with it that people can subconsciously pick up on is one of stress and fear. So, so the basics, right? Hydration, sleep, movement, eating, those things are really, really key. Another big thing that's been incredibly helpful for me is breath work. Breath work for me has been phenomenal, right? 
Uh, there are so many different kinds of breath work. I'm not here to plug any one of them. But um, we had uh, in our sessions in Bali last week, we had two two-hour breath work sessions with our crew. And for some people, it was, I remember talking to one person, she was in her 40s. She said, that was maybe the first time I've ever been able to turn my mind off. This is like a high level seven figure entrepreneur being hard charging her whole life. And she was like, maybe that's the first time I've ever been able to actually bring calm into my brain. So you can see how that would be so, so challenging to live in that space of constant uh, action, constant activity in your brain if you don't learn to regulate. So breath work is incredibly important. Therapy, some different kinds of therapy can be really important. Now, if you've never done any kind of talk therapy, you might consider that right? Simply just talking about some of those things can be really key. Another another big one that I've, I've heard a lot of good things about is EMDR therapy. So, so if you are needing to move through some of this stuff, I would search an EMDR therapist near me, right? And obviously in the, in the age of virtual, you can do that as well. So I would love for you guys to think about these two things. The first is what actions do I need to take to improve my emotional health? The big conversations, the dragons you need to slay, are there things you need to confront. And the second thing is, what are you going to do to regulate yourself daily, right? How are you actually going to regulate your nervous system in such a way that you can show up at your best? You're not simply hoping for the best. You're preparing to show up at your best by doing the work to regulate your nervous system. Quality time with loved ones. Like, oh, there's so many different things, but you guys, can you, do you get what I'm saying? Everyone, everyone kind of pick up what I'm putting down. There are the big rocks we're going to deal with. And then there's the, the grains of sand that are, are happening in our lives all the time that we have to figure out how to regulate. Otherwise, that is stored in us. And that comes out of us at times that would rather it not, right? We, we market, we sell, we coach, right? We lead. And all of that stuff can be coming from a broken place. And I'm just telling you right now, as someone who I was doing the math last week, um, I, I, I jumped into this thing called the uh, Global Income Calculator. This year, I will make more than 7.5 billion people on the planet, which is a staggering stat. In fact, the average wage in the world, I think, is $42,000. Or maybe that's, you should, you should search Global Income Calculator. It's like pretty, it's pretty humbling because you might be living in an expensive city going, man, I'm broke. But it's like, trust me, like you're probably doing really fine compared to most of the world. So I did this, this income calculator and it showed that I was in uh, the upper echelon of all humans who have ever lived, right? And when I went back to New Zealand for fun, I Googled top 10 CEOs salary in New Zealand, right? Because, you know, that's the type of stuff, the idiot stuff you do when you, when you were trying to deal with an ego, right? And uh, I Googled it and uh, the amount that I would take home this year will put me in, would put me in the top 10 CEOs of people in New Zealand. I'm sharing this because as someone who is fortunate enough to be in this financial position, I'm telling you that this is the work that's made the most difference to me. We all sold this like dream of like, we're one funnel away. Oh, you just need, you just need the marketing hack. You need the marketing tactic. But isn't it interesting? how thousands, tens of thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of people just like us are trying to apply the apply the funnel, do the ads, have the office strategy, right? 500,000 people have read Hormozzi's $100 million office books. 500,000 people are registered for the live event of his book this week, but how many of them are actually going to be successful? It's not down to the stuff in the book. It's down to the person applying this stuff in the book. And unless you do the work of becoming the person you need to become, you will always struggle, be treading water, never understanding why. You feel like you're doing the right stuff and it's maybe you are, you're doing the exact right stuff, but you haven't done the work to become the right person. And so that's what this is about. I told you at the start of the session, we're going deep, okay? Let's keep rolling. So that was about emotions. The next piece I want to talk about is beliefs. Your life is, for better or for worse, a fruit is the fruit of what you think every day. On average, we think 60 to 70,000 thoughts every single day. By the way, I just want to share this quote. Please screenshot this. I didn't share it, but this is very powerful. Burnout doesn't come from the amount of hours you work, but by the emotions fueling the work. This is key, right? Didn't talk about it. But I just want you guys to snapshot that as a key truth. So let's talk about beliefs. We need to get really good at shifting our beliefs from limiting to empowering. Very simple. If you don't believe you're worth what you want to charge, you will never be able to charge it consistently. If you don't, do not believe uh, you can build the business that you want to build, maybe you don't think you're good enough. Maybe you don't think you've got the right skills. Maybe you don't think you uh, are the person that you need to be. You won't be, Right. What's that uh, Mark Twain quote? Whoever thinks that they can or they can't, they're right. It's that whole idea that our thinking actually influences our actions. It influences the way that we show up. And so for me, um, I'll quickly share this. You know, I've sold millions of dollars on sales calls despite 
absolutely hating them. And the reason I've done that is not because I'm really good at tonality. You know, I, I listen to some sales trainers and I'm just like floored at how deep sales can go. You guys know the people I'm talking about. They show up on our reels, our TikTok, and they're like, so say this with this tonality. So John, what would need to happen over the next 12 months for you to be insanely impressed with your progress, right? And they've got these one-liners and things like that. I've never dug into any of those. You know what I dig into? My certainty and my confidence. So it's actually my beliefs that help me sell a lot of stuff. Like I, yes, I have a script and a framework and things like that, but it's my belief that empowers me to sell so much. Your beliefs either help you or hurt you in your business, right? There's a great book called As a Man Thinketh. It's a 50 page book by a guy called James Allen. And it talks about the idea of our mind being a garden. And any good gardener knows they need to tend the garden and they need to do two things. They need to pull out the weeds that are going to um, smother and hinder the growth of the other things. And they need to focus on the things they want to see flourish. So the best thing that you could possibly do to improve your beliefs is to become conscious of them, to go from autopilot to living life wide awake. And so what I want to challenge you to do is as we're going through not only this session, but these next few weeks, I want you to start thinking about the way that you're thinking. When something doesn't go your way, what's the first thought that comes to mind? Because the, the key here is that you will either be programmed or, or program yourself, right? You will either just be a result of your environment, the things that people told you growing up, your family, your friends, their limiting beliefs, or you will actually learn to program your brain to empower yourself. So like the number one thing that people ask me in my little hometown in Mount Monganui, New Zealand is, is things like this. Maybe you guys have heard stuff like this. Hey, Dan, when is enough enough, right? <laughs> what are they doing? They're giving me their belief and they're trying to place it on me, right? We have this all the time. People are trying to give us beliefs, right? Hey man, you don't need it. You don't need to make a lot of money. You, why, why are you trying to do this? Why are you putting out all this content, right? Are you, do you think you're better than us, right? These are all subconscious beliefs that people carry around that they're trying to give to us. And our job is to become aware of the beliefs going on in our brain and understanding that our beliefs are either helping us or hurting us in accomplishing our mission and building this business, okay? We get beliefs from four places, right? There's obviously so much more than this that I could kind of dive deep, deep, deep on. But here are kind of the four things that come to mind for me, okay? If you want to actively shape your beliefs, here's how you want, I want you to be thinking about them. The first area is education, right? You actually can shape your beliefs just by learning from people, by learning things. I heard a phrase the other day uh, that I loved, that I borrowed, which is also a great uh, example of what this person was trying to say. He said, I'm a belief collector. Whenever I have, I hear someone else has a better belief than me, I collect it, I borrow it. I want all of you to start thinking about your beliefs like that and become belief collectors. So the moment I heard Brooke Castillo share that burnout doesn't come from the amount of hours we work, but by the emotion, feeling work, I collected that belief. When, when Tony Robbins says success is 80% psychology, 20% strategy, I collected that belief. And so if you want to actively do this, you should literally start a note on your phone. Start collecting empowering beliefs. The first moment you hear them might not become the moment they ring true for you. It's not like you hear it and you go, I believe it. No, no, no. We've got work to do, friends. We have to unwire the beliefs that we have to rewire this new way of thinking, to renew our mind. But we do this first and foremost through education, right? We can read books. We can expose this up to podcasts. We can go through courses. We can work with mentors. Number two is our environment. Now, this uh, is, is really important because this can both mean physical environment and digital environment. Let me talk about physical environment for a second. There was a point where I realized the relationships that I had grown up with were not the relationships that they were the relationships that define my past. They were not the relationships that were going to help create my future. For some of us, we are connected to people and, and stuck in places, digitally or physically, where we are in an environment that's actually hindering our growth. So this is this is scientifically proven, right? If you, are, well, we, we understand it like this. You are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. So you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with when it comes to your health, when it comes to your wealth, when it comes to your happiness. If you are aspiring to live a 1% life, to be richer, more fulfilled, more happy than maybe most people who have ever walked this earth, not out of ego, but out of aspiration, you cannot surround yourself with people who do not share those aspirations, who do not share those ideals and values. Right? This is really simple to understand. But when I ask you this, I want you to be honest with yourself. Is your environment right now enabling you and empowering you to become the person you're created to be? Or is it holding you back? For me, and this is drastic and I'm not saying everyone has to do this, but I literally had to move, right? I obviously took years to move, right? It's not like I couldn't achieve success in my business by being in little old small Mount Monganui. I still was able to build a great business there. But it wasn't until I moved and changed my physical environment that I was really able to 
go to that next level. And so where you live, who you hang out with, all those things, your environment matters. But here's the beautiful thing about maybe you're like, well, that's nice for you to say, I can't move. Great. So then we have a digital environment. What digital environment are you spending time in? Every day, we're exposed through social media to thousands and thousands of different inputs, people trying to program us with their beliefs. That's really in what every real, every TikTok is, right? It's like all of those, those pieces of short form content that we consume are actually people's beliefs being given to us. And we can either choose to accept them or disregard them. Number three is connections. This is not just the people that you grew up with. This is actually actively finding connections with people who have better beliefs than you do. So I've managed to, um, in the last few years, become friends with every mentor I've, I've ever paid. And 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 for, for many people, like, you know, I, I would never name drop in an environment like this. But if 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 I could show you my Instagram DMs, I, I have connections with people that are worth a hundred times more than me. I, I was going to say a thousand times more than me. That would be a billionaire. I don't have any billionaire friends. But like people that are infinitely further than I am away, uh, that, than I am from here, that, that I connect with regularly. And I connect with them because they have better thinking than I do. I want to collect their beliefs. I want to be around them. I want to learn from them. Take advice from people who have what you want. And when you do, you start to realize that that's one of the biggest keys to enlarging your sense of vision and, and building empowering beliefs in your life. Stop listening to people who don't have what you want. Like, why are we taking, and you know, we talk about this and I, I can joke about this because I'm not in great shape, but would we take advice from the out of shape personal trainer, right? <laughs> we probably wouldn't because they're not embodying what we want to become. But why do we give people influence in our lives who don't have what we want? Like people who don't have our best interests at heart, that don't actually want what's best for us, that don't want to empower us to become this core identity version of ourselves. Why do we let those people dictate who we are and how we feel about ourselves? And the last piece here is through action. This is not just theory. You change beliefs through actually doing stuff, right? So James Clear says this, every action you take is a vote for the type of person you wish to become. No single instance will transform your beliefs, but as the votes build up, so does the evidence of your new identity. And so I'm going to share a quick story on this. I am terrible at tracking money. And so I'm really good at making it, really terrible at managing. And I think that's a really common theme with a lot of entrepreneurs. Like I know entrepreneurs that make millions and millions and millions of dollars a year, and they would have none of it at the end of the year if it wasn't for their partner or if it wasn't for a CFO or an accountant, right? And so... um what happens is there's about four people who have access to my Amex, right? Me, my wife, uh, and two assistants. And so oftentimes there are bills that are put on that Amex that I just completely forget about. And we flew all around the world last year. We spent more on travel last year than I made in nine years of being a youth pastor. So we're in Mexico last year and I'll never forget getting this email from Amex. And I've and Amex, if you don't know about Amex, Amex is not a credit card where you can just delay payments. It's a charge card where you clear it every 28 days. And so I don't even know what this month consisted of in terms of travel and booking things, but I remember getting this bill for $100,000 and I was like, damn, right? And so the, I had a decision to make. It was either like, we're going to pull money out of savings to pay that off, which I felt like an idiot to do. I could pull money out of the business or I could figure out how to like create this money. So I'm sitting there at this beautiful taco restaurant in Playa del Carmen, Mexico. And I'm sitting there with this $100,000 bill. I text Liv, my wife, and I say, hey, how should I go about figuring this out? And she's like, well, why don't you see if you can make $100,000? And I was like, man, talk about marrying up, right? Talk about surrounding yourself with people with better beliefs than you. So I sit there and I start brainstorming. I'm like, how would I make $100,000? This is a lot of money. And of course, you can just work harder and like, I'm going to do a cash campaign. I'm going to try and get all these clients. But I was trying to be creative and not throw myself into a world of hurt and stress and anxiety. So I sit down, I map out a plan. And the next day, I connect with a client who had actually paid me a couple of hundred thousand dollars that year through for coaching and consulting. And I put together a proposal that within 24 hours was accepted, which was a $100,000 deal. He paid 50% down that day and 50% the next 30 days. Pretty cool. But that story didn't happen in a vacuum. It wasn't like Dan had a brilliant idea and all of a sudden I was like, well, I've gone from making no money to making $100,000 in 24 hours. That's fantastic. It was through all of the actions that I've been taking, all of the evidence that I've been stacking in all these previous years around how I can create and sell value, that it gave me the evidence and the confidence to even think at that level. So my, my challenge to you is this, every day you wake up, every action you take reinforces beliefs. So when you wake up and, and you go, I'm going to go to the gym today, and then uh, your brain, who's so smart, clearly says, 
dude, you don't need to go today. You're tired. You're like, the kid didn't sleep last night. Like you're, you're not feeling super good. Like you can go tomorrow. Guess what you're training yourself to believe? Uh, he's not serious about this. She's not serious about this. You know, we, we don't have body. We don't actually have to wake up. We don't actually have to do this thing. False alarm, right? Every action we take is uh, reinforcing. It's a voting for the person we're going to become. And so I want you to be thinking about shifting your beliefs in such an active way. Firstly, you have to become conscious of the way that you think. You've got to think about your thoughts. But then we have to go through that process of figuring out from an education perspective, environment, connections, through our actions, how we're actually going to actively shift our beliefs. And so the question I have for you here is, and kind of the homework for this is really simple. What I want you to do is write down 10 beliefs that you currently hold wants to rewrite. 10 beliefs you currently hold that you want to rewrite. This might not come to you in a flash, you might need to sit with this question for a week. And as life happens and as you go through actions, these might become clearer, right? You might go, okay, there's a belief right there. I need to write that down. That is a belief that's holding me back. And then what I want you to do is to become clear on the 10 empowering beliefs you want to hold. So let me give you a really simple example. The most empower, One of the most empowering beliefs in my life is I believe making money is easy. And I've built up that evidence through making a lot of money. And so I want you to actually really figure out these empowering beliefs. Another example is like, I believe sales is easy because people love being helped, right? That's an example of an empowering belief. Another example of empowering belief is I believe in my ability to figure things out. So there's never a challenge or a situation that I don't believe I can figure out how to handle. That doesn't come overnight. I'm not saying write this down and it's going to magically appear. What I'm saying is actively renew your mind by identifying bad patterns of thinking like that garden, looking at it from that high level and going, what are the weeds I need to pluck out of this? And then what are the beliefs I want to rewrite? What are the things I want to cause to flourish? Because what happens is you're going to have that negative belief, that limiting belief come up in the next couple of weeks. And how you react to that will determine what, what fires and wires in your brain. Because if if that belief comes in, I'm not good enough. Uh, maybe my offer is not good enough. Maybe whatever, whatever level of insecurity or fear or scarcity pulls you into this belief thinking. If you let that belief sit with you unchallenged, guess what happens? Nothing. Nothing happens. Nothing changes. You are just going to stay exactly the same person. What we have to do is actively rewire and change our brain and change the way we're thinking by rewriting the belief patterns and by choosing new and better beliefs. Is this making sense so far? Like I said, we're going to have time for Q&A. So if you guys have questions, you can drop them in the chat now um, and uh, we can circle back to them later. Let's land the plane and talk about skills, okay? Your business is really limited by the skill set that you have, 100%. You can have the most amazing emotional health. You can have the best empowering beliefs. If you don't have the skills to activate those things, you will not succeed in the business and creating the business that you want to create. Really simple example. I'll never forget uh, when I was a youth pastor, we used to have these nights where it was like student takeover night, right? So we would get the young bucks of the of the the youth group and we would kind of put them on stage. And so we would have like three teenagers basically giving these messages. And if you just think about this for a second, what a risk. Like, it's such a gamble. You're like, man, what are they going to say? Is this going to be like, you know, kosher? What's going on? And um, there, was, there were two camps of people, okay? There were the people that were so afraid that overprepared. And then there were the people that thought they were just going to nail it and didn't prepare at all, right? You, you know, you, when you're 17, for some people, it's like, oh my gosh, the world is against you. For some people, they're like, the world is for me. This is amazing. All my all my peers are going to love me. I'm so smart. I'm so wise. This is going to go amazing. And I'll never forget uh, talking to this one guy. And he's like, bro, this is going to be awesome. It's going to be amazing. And I would catch up with them leading up to these days. I would go, hey, man, like, I would love to help you with this. Um, so what are you thinking? What are you going to speak on? And all I got the whole way through was nothing but confidence. Oh, it's going to be amazing. I can't wait. Oh, man. Just like, God's given me this message. It's going to be incredible. And uh, I never forget this guy called Sam. He gets up there and he holds the microphone. And it was like, all the confidence fades away in the absence of skills and preparation. <laughs> and he realizes that for the next 10 minutes, he really has no idea what he's going to say. And he has no idea how he's going to move this room and communicate what he wants to say because he did no preparation. All he had was the belief. Our beliefs have to be backed up by skills. We have to actually do the work. It's it's no use you going, making money is easy. I believe sales is easy because people love being helped. Having all these empowering beliefs that you don't then back up by developing the skills necessary to actually get good at marketing, to get good at sales, to get good at coaching. And so I want you to think about it through this lens, okay? Because we are sold a lie most uh, often in this online space. And it's this idea that all we need is one high income skill, right? 
So people are told this all the time, especially people who are starting out. You need a high income skill. You need to get good at sales. You need to get good at copywriting. You're good at ads. And if you develop a high income skill, you're going to make a stack of money. But in the engineering world, there is this term that I want us to adopt today. And it's called being full stack. There's not one skill you need to learn to be successful in this business. There's not one thing. I wish I could tell you like, hey guys, just get good at sales and everything else falls into place. You've got to get good at a number of things. So like if we just kind of simplify this for a second, let's say it's like marketing, sales, delivery, leadership. Because these are all skills. Leadership is a skill. It's not just a title, it's a skill. Within marketing, we have different facets of that, right? You might be trying to get good on camera. That might be one side, right? You're trying to learn to communicate like this. You're trying to take big ideas and turn them into simple concepts you can teach your audience. There's also an element of copywriting. How do we use our written words to persuade people? When it comes to sales, right, there's multiple skills within sales, right? We need to actually figure out how do we run a sales call? It's our tonality. It's our voice. It's our body language. It's also how we manage our sales pipeline. Do we follow people up? Do we track things? Are we actually trying to develop the skill of being someone who is great at sales? Because the best salespeople I know aren't naturally gifted. They do what great salespeople do. When it comes to delivery, whether you're a coach, whether you're an ads agency, there are so many different skills that fall under the umbrella of delivery. You need to be good at dealing with client client frustrations and concerns. You need to be great at actually communicating big ideas and making them simple. You need, if you're teaching content, right, in a, in a curriculum, you need to get good at actually helping people understand what they need to do to be successful. There's so many different facets of that part. And then there's leadership. The number one sticking point I see for most online entrepreneurs is they can't go from solopreneur to entrepreneur. Whether it's hiring a virtual assistant, whether it's getting a salesperson, whether it's hiring another coach, they are limited by their lack of leadership skill. So you can be amazing at marketing, sales, and delivery. If you can't lead through other people, you will be limited. And so I want you to think about this for a second and think about this from a, a new perspective. You are not one skill away. You and I have to become full stack. That doesn't mean you won't have naturally strong areas. I think I'm a naturally good marketer. That doesn't mean I haven't had to get really good at copywriting and video and things like that, but I have a natural leaning towards that. Delivery, that was a skill set I had to learn. Sales, that was a skill set I had to learn. So for you, I want you to think about your business from this higher level. I need to develop a full stack skill set in order to scale the business that I need to scale. And so in a moment, we're going to identify what those skills are, but I want you to be thinking about this from this high level. The second perspective is this. The journey we have to go through is one from generalist to specialist, right? A generalist is a jack of all trades. This is how I started my business. I was everything for everybody, running ads, building websites, managing social media, doing a bit of coaching here, bit of consulting there. But I was not niched down. I was not narrowed down. I didn't have a unique value proposition I was everything to everyone. And when you think about what we do, we solve pain in people's lives. That's what value creators do. When you have a survival need pain, right? Something that is hindering your life. And let's take it in the health world for a second. There's a big difference between being overweight and having Hashimoto's disease. If you've got Hashimoto's disease, you're not just going to rock up to the general practitioner and say, hey, I've got this thing, help me. Guess what they're going to do? Give you a pill, right? Then they're going to be ill-equipped to help you. What you need is a specialist. The people you and I are trying to attract are looking for specialists, right? There are so many people who do something or say something similar to, to us. We have to differentiate ourselves by becoming specialists. So how I closed that $100,000 deal last year was that was actually a deal around me creating some curriculum for this person. So it worked out to be about $2,500 an hour across those that $100,000. And he was paying me for my expertise and actually creating curriculum for him. As a generalist, I wouldn't have even been able to charge 10% of that amount. But as a specialist, being seen as one of the better people in the world in this space for this area, he paid me $100,000 to solve this problem. And so here's a simple way to look at it. A generalist has low focus. A specialist has high focus. A generalist has low value. A specialist has high value. So a really simple way to think about this is within your business, you want to become known for solving a unique painful problem. Don't try and be everything to everyone. You want to become known for solving a unique painful problem. So how I made my first few million was I got really good at becoming known for getting coaches more sales calls. Like that's so niche. Our agency 
went from zero to 100K a month in nine months because we, and think about how niche this is. Our agency in, in 2019 went from zero to 100K a month because we got really good at helping coaches get more calls with automated webinar funnels. Like that was our specialization. We became one of the best agencies in the space. We were obsessed over show up rates, conversion rates, like landing page optimization. We became amazing at it. And we were growing through referral only because of the name that we're creating for ourselves because of the specialization that we developed. I then moved to coaching. The coaching was me just taking what we'd done for people and teaching them to do it themselves. And so one of the biggest mistakes I see people make in the coaching space is they try and be everything in their marketing to this one person. But that is a title you have to earn over time. So for me, we got to our first few million a year because we became really good at acquisition for coaches. When I look at some of you guys' content, it's really hard for me to know what you're trying to specialize in. Your, your content bounces from here to here to here. If you look at someone like Alex Hormozzi and you went through a thousand of his reels, what do you think 95% of them are about? Marketing and sales. It's just acquisition. That dude could give leadership masterclasses, operations masterclasses, He's, he had one of the best success rates in the industry, but he almost never talks about it in his marketing. He's become known for acquisition. And so what you want to do in your marketing, this is how you transition from marketer to thought leader, right? From having just generating leads to building an audience is becoming known for an idea, becoming a specialist in your space. This is through ruthless focus and elimination of everything else. Now I am in a position where I can start branching out and talking about other things because I've become known as a specialist in the space. But it went through that funnel of like really broad to really specific. And so what I want to challenge you all to think about when it comes to your skill set is how am I specializing and where am I specializing? And the, the answer is if you're a business coach, it doesn't just mean you specialize in acquisition because that's the sexy thing to do. I know people that make a million dollars a year profit in helping people with client success because that's their specialization gift. And so an easy way to think about this is number one, what do you already have skills in? And number two, what topics do you not want to shut up about? There are things that you already love talking about. You may as well dive deep on them. For some of you, you might not know this. Tony Robbins started as a specialist. Does anyone know what his specialization was at the very start of his career? NLP, it was NLP, but it was even more specific than that. Smoking, smoking cessation. Yeah, it was phobia. The first thing that he did was he helped people deal with phobias. So literally his first events, he would challenge psychologists to send their worst clientels that had never been able to deal with their phobias. People who dealt with snakes. So one of his most famous transformations in the start was a lady was afraid of snake and he worked his NLP magic on her. And at the end of the session, she had a big snake around her arm. Now we know him as like the peak performance guru that he is and he's writing books on finance and health but he started specializing. And too many of us go way too broad, way too soon. We have to become specialists in our area. So here's the question I'm gonna leave us with, and then we're gonna jump into some Q&A. Okay, number one, think of your business and write down the three skills needed to take it to the next level. So in your awareness right now, thinking about the, the journey from uh, just one skill to being full stack and from generalist to specialist, what are the three skills needed to take it to the next level? Right. So I asked Paulina this in uh, New Zealand and she was like copywriting. That was like the, the top thing that she had to get good at right now. So you want to develop an awareness because if you don't have an awareness of the skills you need to build, you'll never build them, which means you'll never build the business that you want to build because you still lack the skills. And then number two, write down what you will do to develop them. So what are you actually going to do? Like this, this stuff is not just going to develop itself. It's not through law of attraction that you get good at copywriting. It is through actually doing it. And so I want you to get really clear on your plan of development. And then number three, and this is big picture, write down skills needed five years from now. I don't know why there's two needs in that sentence. <laughs> My bad. <laughs> write down the skills needed five years from now. Where are you going? So, so I'll give you an example and then we'll uh, wrap up and jump into Q&A. For me, I know the skills I want to develop now, as well as the skills I need to develop five years from now, is primarily communication. Communication from stage and on video. I know that if I can continue to do that, I can I can create the content, I can build the audience, I can become the thought leader that I want to become and build the audience that I want to, want to have. For you, it might not be that. It might be like, I need to get better at sales calls, right? Because I'm bombing right now. My stats show it. I know it. That's where I need to focus, okay? So what you want to look at is really through the lens of... Um, Okay, so someone just asked, that, uh, someone mentioned a comment that I'll, I'll speak to right now and says, that's my sticking point. I don't know what I need. I don't know what I don't know. So 
A really simple way to look at this is your business has five core functions, okay? This is a framework by a guy called Alex Sharfin. For every business in the world has five core functions. Lead generation, lead nurture, conversion, delivery, retention, resell, and upsell. So an easy way to start the skills conversation is to look at those five areas. Lead generation, lead nurture, conversion, delivery, retention, resell, and upsell. Scale of one to five, five being you're crushing it and this part of your business is working phenomenally well. One being this is terrible and it's not working. Where would you score yourself in those different areas. So for example, you might be like, you know, lead generation, I'm not getting many leads at all. It's a two. Sales, you might be like, man, every time I book a call, I close them, right? So that I would put that as a four or five. That's not an area you want to focus in on right now. So you want to look at the areas that have the lowest numbers and then dive deeper and really look at the skill sets necessary to lift those areas. So if you're struggling with lead generation, you can look at it through the lens of marketing and you can go, what about my marketing right now is not generating more leads? And it might be, you need to learn paid advertising. You need to learn to actually understand your business by the numbers and track KPIs. Whatever it might be, I want you to look at it through that lens of the holistic business, not just like a gut feel of I sit there and go, what skill, what skill, what skill? Look at it through the lens of what is not working as well as I want to in my business and figure out are those five areas, what score is the lowest that I need to focus in on. The second thing is, what areas of your business do you avoid or not enjoy doing? It's typically not common to have high skill set in the areas you do not enjoy. And so some of the things that happens in our business is we avoid the things we don't, we aren't good at. So for me, for the longest time, guess what I hated in my business? Managing people. The number one skill set I had to, to figure out to go from kind of a million a year to two million a year to a million in profit was actually managing salespeople. Like that was the specific skill set I had to get really good at. And I'm telling you right now, it's a hard skill set to learn, but it's a skill set you can learn. And so look at through the five core functions and figure out what area of my business needs the most attention and then drill down on the skill sets necessary for that improvement. And then number two, what areas do you naturally neglect? You don't like talking about, you don't like looking at, that's probably a pretty good clue as to what you want to um focus more attention on. Thanks for listening to another episode of Scale School. I hope you found something valuable in today's episode. If you haven't already subscribed, go ahead and do that so you can be notified every time we drop future episodes. And if you and I have not already connected, feel free to track me down on any one of the social media platforms. My big head and smiling face are no doubt gonna be there. And you can just search my name, Dan Bolton, and we can connect there. But thank you again for tuning in and I'll see you in a future episode.